Hello everyone, and welcome to Downsizing, the podcast where we try and figure out when The Office actually ended, because everyone would have been fired. My name is Curtis, and I'll be your host, and with me is my co-host and resident office expert, Antoinette. Hi everyone. Today we will be discussing Season 6, Episode 4, Niagara Part 1. In this episode, Pam and Jim prep for their wedding, Andy makes a move, and Michael is up to his old tricks. In this cold open, we... I'm very... So, let's just start here. How do you feel about this cold open in terms of what Pam is doing? I don't like it. Okay. I don't like it, and there's... I don't like it in terms of what Pam is doing, and I don't like it also in terms of how pop culture, movies, TVs, etc. portray pregnancy. Okay, so what is happening here is that Pam is having some nausea related to her pregnancy, and she is asking people to make concessions to kind of help her get through that. And so she is asking people to change their perfume, change their body wash, not eat certain things. And this is met with a lot of resistance. Yes. It, it's kind of the way they're going about it. But here's the sucky thing and where I do have a kernel of sympathy for sure is that it's a completely open office plan. She's in a desk clump. There is no way to get away from these smells for her. However, they are being somewhat extreme. And I keep saying they because Jim is a part of this floor meeting. Like I said, they are being extreme in the sense that they're really asking for specifics. And it is very tough because you do have a very heightened sense of smell during pregnancy. And that definitely can kick off nausea. Now, here's where I'm going to complain about pop culture representations. In episode one... When it was revealed that Pam is pregnant, she said she was about four months along. So at this point, and I think we will hear it in the next episode, she's about five months. She's about 20 weeks along. She's well into the second trimester at this point, and it's called the golden trimester. And the reason for that is your progesterone levels have leveled off because the placenta has taken over producing the pregnancy hormones so it's not just all your body and the progesterone and that leap of progesterone over the first 12 to 14 weeks is what causes the heightened smell and extreme nausea now I will definitely say there are women that have nausea and vomiting uh, throughout their pregnancy and, but that does not seem to be the case here. It's just a pop culture trope that pregnancy equals being sick. Definitely true, but Pam is likely past that point and, and maybe triggered by something like Dwight peeling his hard-boiled eggs at his desk, but, that, but she probably is not having to go to the bathroom to brush her teeth as often as it's being portrayed at this point yeah i am with you in the sense that pam and jim are mostly in the wrong here 
it's not a huge ask and people should just be courteous enough with kind of the easy changes. So Dwight's just being a dick by eating his hard boiled eggs at his desk. If, yeah, somebody can keep some smelly food elsewhere. However, I guess that one's a little iffier because like what might be smelly to you may not be smelly to me. I know that's something that I had some minor frustrations with when we were going through this, when I would make some, I'd be making dinner and you would come in and just be like, ugh, nope, can't do it. And I'm just like, okay, well, what are we going to do for dinner then? Um, Yeah, the smell of cooking meat sometimes can be just absolutely revolting and the reason for that is you're trying to protect the fetus so your body is rejecting those things that that it thinks might harm the fetus so like cooking meat so if it is not cooked well or is spoiled something like that your body's having that reaction to and it's it's really hard and because you can't ask someone to not be at work essentially like people some people wear colognes or perfumes I know I struggled with just someone walking by wearing very strong cologne like and so what are you gonna do so it is a tough situation it's made tougher by the fact that Dwight is purposely being a jerk and I think because of the way Jim and Pam went about asking it made people want to dig in their heels so then when Pam is smelling that that egg smell, which is a pretty strong smell. So at five months, at about 20 weeks, she may be having that sort of reaction because then she has to throw up. That creates this chain reaction in the office that everyone besides seemingly Dwight and Creed are also vomiting. Right. And this is kind of a you asked for this moment because Dwight is making a point to eat his eggs at his desk. And so Pam looks him right in the eye as she grabs the trash can that's right next to her desk and vomits into it. And Andy does a quick one-on-one with the camera saying, anytime I see somebody throwing up, it makes me want to throw up. And actually anytime just talking about it makes me want to throw up. So he throws up it forces other people to throw up. Yes. So that's where we get. One quick thing, though. the Where Pam and Jim cross the line is the perfumes body wash thing. Yeah. It's like you are asking somebody to make a lifestyle change there. Exactly. You don't get to do that. Exactly. Like specifically saying, hey, Phyllis, can you change your soap for a couple months? Yeah, that that is not really going to work. And I admire Pam's just steeliness here because whenever I throw up or even have dry heaving I cry like it's just a it's just a um, chain reaction sort of thing you know not like I'm sobbing but it's just what happens I think Dane Cook did a skit about how people cry when they throw up and so just to have her be like that business like you know Another Dane Cook mention on this podcast. (laughs) To kick off the main part of the episode, we see everybody in the conference room on 
a Saturday, maybe the Friday before. Uh, oh, it is the Friday before because everybody has the day off because Michael gave everybody the day off to go to the wedding and also the Monday following. So everybody's gearing up for a four day weekend here. So they decided to convene at the office so that Jim and Pam could go over their do's and don'ts. Right. And the big don't that we get from this meeting is not to mention anything about Pam's pregnancy because Pam's grandmother, who is apparently very old fashioned, does not know about the pregnancy yet. And so they don't want to upset this woman on their wedding. And so from this point on, one person kind of monopolizes the episode and tries to monopolize the weekend that is not about them. And that, of course, is Michael. There is just something about weddings that Michael feels compelled to make himself part of the wedding when he has no business doing that and nobody asked him to do that but he feels that way because he just happens to be these people's boss yes if you think back to phyllis's wedding so michael is not as bad but also worse at this wedding at the same time he really is making it all about him in the do's and don'ts meeting he says that also on the list is making sure that no one embarrasses him no one's even concerned about michael quite frankly he tied full cans of soda to his car and put in what is that shoe polish or whatever yeah or just window chalk Yeah, yeah the window chalk like going to a wedding So he's really trying to draw attention to himself. Once they get there, it turns out that Michael has not actually booked a room. And this is just one of those things where, thinking back similarly to Phyllis's wedding, to where it's like, sometimes Michael is made out to be so dumb that he just thought he could show up and say he's part of this group and didn't actually need to make a reservation at this hotel. The hotel room is very important to Michael, not just as a place to stay for the next three days, but he intends to meet a woman at this wedding. And he and Dwight are seen throughout this episode kind of planning for this. And it's very odd because like we discussed in just last episode, Dwight is kind of in limbo as to what character he's going to be sometimes. And in this episode, we see him thrown back to kind of this subservient person that worships Michael for whatever reason. Yes. And just does really weird things just for Michael's benefit. So, for example, before they leave the office, Dwight says that he saw the guest list on Jim's desk and took the liberty to do a search on every single female person on that list. And he shares this information with Michael, kind of providing intel for Michael's pursuit of a woman at this wedding. On the way to the wedding, he tells Michael that 
he has made a CD that he can play whenever he has a woman in his room. And Michael's like, all right, thanks. Very excited. Let's put that in there. And it's Dwight just talking in like whispered tones and just saying how lucky this woman is because she is getting to spend the night with Michael Scott. It's a creepy ASMR sort of recording. Curtis, I totally agree. I was sort of feeling the whiplash in the same way to where Dwight is now back to being obsessed with Michael and really, really wants to be his wingman and is insistent that this is going to be just a big hookup destination. Now, they are not the only ones that are convinced that Jim and Pam's wedding is going to be this singles meeting spot, essentially. And I'm not sure what is actually giving them that idea. I think that this is just kind of the stereotypical thing overall. Like Another pop if, culture trope. I don't, yeah, I don't know if it's even a pop, color, a pop culture trope. It, it's just a very much a thing. Like, if you are single, you there is a part of you that goes into a wedding thinking, huh, I wonder how many other single people are going to be here. And maybe I can hook up with one of them. And so Dwight is in the same position that Michael is. And so he's trying to hook up with a woman as well. So it is kind of odd that Dwight is handing over all this information to Michael and not really using it for himself. Dwight's loyalty is put to the test a little bit regarding the hotel room snafu. So like we said, Michael thought he could just show up and say, I want to be part of this block and that he would have a room. It doesn't seem like it's the largest place. It doesn't seem like it's necessarily the largest wedding either. And we'll see this in the next episode. We're only on part one. I can't decide if everyone that was invited is at the rehearsal dinner or, you know, what. Yeah, this is just weird. And we'll talk about that here in a little bit. So anyways, Dwight, of course, has his hotel room. He's got his confirmation number at the ready. And Michael tries to say, hey, can I stay with you? And Dwight's reaction is no, because if I meet a woman, I don't want you in my room Michael claims that he would do the exact same for Dwight if the situation was reversed so Dwight puts him to the test and says oh hey there must be some mistake this room is registered to an M. Scott and he goes on for a couple minutes letting Michael think that Michael actually somehow lucked into a hotel room and says hey now can I stay with you And Michael does not really even hesitate. And is like, no, because if I meet a woman, she, you can't be seeing you brushing your teeth in the bathroom. And Dwight's like, okay, that was a test and you failed and snatches back his room key and, you know, and confirmation. So Michael's kind of SOL when it comes to, you know, his options, basically. Toby does offer up a twin bed in his room, but Michael refuses because it's Toby. And unfortunately, Michael only gets worse when it comes to the rehearsal dinner. We, if you remember from Phyllis's wedding, we know that Michael loves giving toast, but he's not very good at it. And Jim and Pam have tried to head him off 
from speaking saying it's only family it's only blood relatives and Michael gets upset he's not at the head table like this is the this is just the craziness with which Michael is approaching this yeah this is probably the most frustrating part watching this episode like I wanted to break my pen in half watching this because yeah like you said he's complaining that he's not at the head table and there's a time when Jim's brothers are going to give a speech and you could Michael can kind of hear them going through their material and Michael does a interstitial with the camera saying they have great material but they're going to deliver it wrong it should be me up there it should be me and one of the brothers not the brothers not the brothers together which of course makes zero sense whatsoever it's just michael wanting to be the center of attention at a time when he has absolutely no business being the center of attention and one thing that always sort of bothers me and i i know it's because it's a tv show about an office why are they at the rehearsal dinner is again is it everybody that was invited to the wedding they're just having them come in which case they didn't need to invite the office because it's not that big of a wedding. Yeah, I I have been to, I think, one wedding in which people outside of the wedding party were at the rehearsal dinner. And the only reason that was the case was because this particular wedding took place at like this mountain retreat in california and so everybody that was going to be at the wedding was staying at this place and so everybody's already there now that does appear to be the case in this situation however niagara falls is not this isolated place people could have stayed at any hotel or there just could have been a separate rehearsal dinner even though everybody was kind of already there i've been in situations like that as well where the wedding party kind of does their rehearsal dinner thing and then there is kind of just like this unofficial meetup thing where the wedding party can kind of meet and greet people that have made the trip just because they probably won't have as much time to do that the following day on the actual day of the ceremony right yes and so yes it makes zero sense whatsoever that the entire office is at the rehearsal dinner and we find out very very quickly why this was a huge mistake for jim and pam they could have very easily taken michael out of the equation by just not inviting him to the rehearsal dinner or the wedding in general but that's that's another topic and so when jim's brothers tom and pete are doing their toast it is not going over very well they are throwing out some jokes that uh were in poor taste really and Mm -hmm. just did weren't were landing weren't landing at all and michael as the guardian of comedy takes this opportunity to interrupt them and start giving his own toast but he says it's not a toast it's a freestanding comedy routine that 
if at the end of it, people want to raise their glasses in honor of Jim and Pam, then yeah, they can do that. And he goes into this Jerry Seinfeld-esque <laughs> bit about smart cars and he just keeps going and going and going with the same joke and it wasn't funny at the very beginning of it and it certainly wasn't any funnier towards the end of it and he like is he does the jeb bush thing where he's just like come on people please laugh a little bit yeah he he it goes about as well as his improv goes when we've seen that yeah And so to just kind of move the night along, Jim interrupts Michael and starts his own speech. And he talks about how the first time he met Pam and how he asked her to make so many photocopies and asked her to teach him how to drive a stick shift, basically recounting the ways that he was making up situations in order to just talk to Pam. Yes, because he said when he met her, he was just a guy that had a crush on a girl that had a boyfriend. And so he was talking about how he had to just wait. Yes, his toast is about how when he first met Pam four years ago, he was just a guy who had a crush on a girl that had a boyfriend. And so he had to just wait and seek out these little moments like Curtis said just to flirt with her and spend time with her and he said it was well worth it because he wasn't just waiting for just a girlfriend he realized now he was waiting for his wife and it's very sweet and it's it's a very touching toast Andy's like crying you know (laughs) at the table but then at the end Jim wraps it up by saying, okay, now everyone, if you can raise your glasses, except for Pam, for obvious reasons. And for some reason, this 80 plus year old woman latches on to, wait, what What about it? What's obvious? Yeah, that's not very realistic. No, not at all. I'm just thinking of like our grandmothers who would have not even, yeah, would have let the moment pass. But this, this Mima is pretty awful in a lot of respects and latches on to but why why can't Pam drink what's obvious about it now I will say that they do a pretty decent job of making Jenna Fisher look pregnant without it being like it typically is in the Hollywood thing where you're constantly looking eight months pregnant yeah like she looks appropriately five months pregnant is she actually pregnant at this time? No. Oh, okay. She is not. Okay. It's, but again, like a, a, an 80 plus year old woman, it's it, she's she's able to hide it somewhat well. And then everyone else pretty much knows. So Jim is getting super flustered, which is not really like Jim. And, and really can't think of a reason. Like he goes like, well, Pam's an alcoholic. And what Pam should have just done is what every pregnant woman does at some point or another and just had a a bottle of Bud Light that she poured out the Bud Light and then had water in it instead of just having a glass of water. Or have her glass of champagne or whatever and then just put it up to her lips. Not actually. Or 
take a drink. Like one little drink one isn't going to do yeah. anything. Yeah, just for the moment, for visual's sake, just a quick little mouthful of champagne isn't going to do any harm. Right. Curtis is not endorsing drinking while pregnant. He's just saying a small sip of champagne at your wedding. Okay. And studies have shown that having a glass of wine every once in a while is not only safe, but it can have positive health effects. Yes. In other countries, there's not this blanket ban like there is in the U.S. And I think it's because... We're a little bit more puritanical here. And also, there definitely will be people that push it to the limits. So instead of having one glass of wine a week, they're going to have three to five or have it on multiple days. And then you're just, you can't have had a doctor endorse that. You just get into all this messiness. So it's just easier if everyone's like, no, none at all. Sure. So, cat's out of the bag. Michael tries to come in and smooth it over with Mima. Yeah, somehow, when you think things couldn't get worse from what Jim did in his attempts to save it, Michael comes in and does, in fact, make it worse. It's, it's awful. It's cringe. It's very typical Michael. He also gives away that Jim and Pam were living together, which Mima didn't know and is even further scandalized. And he talks about it in depth at length about sex with and without condoms, basically. It's just, oh God, until Pam has to be like, Michael, stop. It's really terrible. Now, you know who's also terrible? Mima. Mima. We've established that Pam is 30 at least. Her and Jim are... Grown-ass people. Yeah, they've got to be 30 to 32 years old. That is well past the time where any grandparent or parent needs to be weighing in on the living and sexual habit choices of their children and grandchildren and Mima feels like she can be absolutely she can be scandalized but that's her those are her feelings sort of thing yeah and it's just I don't know it's just one of those things where it's like oh my god they're 30 years old this is not like a teenage pregnancy situation or a situation where they don't know each other you know maybe not the best setup for the child like in a day, it'll be fine. When the child's actually there, they're going to be married. Not a big thing. Because she's so scandalized and because Michael has made it worse with his talk about sex, Mima has decided that she just can't stay at this wedding and she'll be departing in the morning. This is an, a weird interaction point because Michael sees the opportunity for a room in the hotel to open up. And so the next thing we see is Michael going to Mima's hotel room to try and smooth things over, which again, doesn't make sense because he, you would think he'd be like trying to push her out so yeah. he could have that hotel room. But his love for Jim and Pam, I guess, takes over. And he 
again, is not very good at this. He just talks about how women are kind of liberated individuals now and he does it in a real horned up way because he's yes. talking about how they take off their tops and have people take pictures of that and that's great because you know people want to see that aka him he's acting like this is girls gone wild on spring break or something yes and so after this long diatribe about how women are liberated and times have changed and things like that. He says that Jim and Pam are going to name the baby after her. Which we don't have any reason to believe that is true. No. And so by making the day worse, by trying to do a comedy routine, making things worse after that, by trying to save the day after Jim spills the beans, continuing to make things worse by trying to smooth things over with Meemaw, he probably has created this impossible situation for Jim and Pam now because he has now promised the name of their child to Meemaw. And that's really where we see this episode end. So let's go to the Annex with Antoinette and find out any fun facts about the episode. Only a few for this episode. So Anna Camp, uh, is the guest star playing Pam's sister Penny. This is pretty well before Pitch Perfect and her rise to relative fame, I would say. And the only other interesting tidbit is that Chris Pine, the actor, his dad plays Jim's dad here, which is kind of interesting. The woman that plays Pam's cousin mm-hmm. is in the newsroom as well. I think oh, that'll really? be around this time. Okay. Yeah. Curtis, I don't think anyone gets fired this episode. Is that right? Yeah. With so much of the action taking place away from the office, there's not really anything uh, fireable here. Thinking about this now, even though we are past Daryl watch, it's kind of odd that Daryl was not invited to the wedding, nor was any of the other warehouse guys. Yeah, especially because Jim's kind of somewhat tight with Daryl. Yeah. It's just a weird thing that Daryl is still... Craig Robinson is still sort of in and out as a cast member. Curtis, what is your Dundee Award? I have a few. Okay. The first is, it's just not the same. And that goes to the special effects used to make everybody throw up. Anytime you see somebody throw up in a TV show or a movie or whatever, it looks so fake because there's really no way to make it look real. Essentially, you just have somebody like have something in their mouth and then they end up just spitting it out. And then that's all that comes out. Yeah. If you've ever vomited in your life, you know it's usually a little more projectile <laughs> than that. a little more from the body. Yeah. And the alternative to that is whenever you see, like, on SNL, and this is probably, like, played up for comedic effect, where they, like, put their hand up to their face because they have a tube running up their arm that, and then they just start making the noises, and then the stuff shoots True, out. of it. Yeah, yeah. My next one is, that's not how it works. And that goes to Kevin. Before 
everybody leaves for Niagara Falls, Kevin talks to the camera about how he wants to be this new person at this wedding. And he shows that he has purchased a toupee. And I don't know if Kevin realizes this, but the people at the wedding that he knows know he's bald. This isn't exactly going to go over very well with them. Like, they're going to know Kevin's wearing a toupee, and that's really weird. Yeah, it's a very interesting choice on Kevin's part. He just wants to be more snazzy for this affair, and that's his chosen path, I guess. I have this thought sometimes with myself because I shave my head, and I do that because I was going bald. And people know that's why I started shaving my head. (laughs) Right. And so I can't do like hair plugs or the, the hair loss treatment things that you see on TV commercials. Because if all of a sudden I showed up with a fuller head of hair, people are going to know some things are up. I mean... One, I think you look great with a shaved head. I'm, I'm very lucky in that. I agree with you. And two, if you really wanted to do those hair treatments, who cares? I guess that's true. And then my other Dundee is just die already. And that goes to Meemaw. <laughs> As we discussed, just get over it. You... You have no control over another person's life, especially not a person that is an adult. And things have changed. No matter how much you didn't want them to and how much things were different when you were younger, things probably weren't all that different when you were younger. You were doing the same things Jim and Pam did, just not to the same extremes, I'm sure. That's what always amazes me a little bit is... There is a generation of people that act as though just because they might be most likely more conservative and or religious, that everyone in their generation was not having premarital sex, which has been pretty robustly proven to be incorrect. Somehow... You know, somehow plenty of men were having sex, but not women. And it's just, again, this need for purity and chastity and pretending that just didn't ever really exist. Now, it's funny. It's kind of come back around. Like, there's been a lot of uh, trying to prevent teen pregnancy campaigns. And kids these days are so apparently into their phones and social media that they don't hang out together. So there's actually a lot less teen sex in general. And then it's also the the notion that like things like people living together before marriage or having premarital sex is the downfall of right. this country. Oh my gosh, right. It's, it's just amazing how many people get just so riled up about people cohabitating that aren't married. And I just sometimes wonder how many perhaps unhappy marriages existed or might exist because there is this compulsion. Like, say you're Mormon, you have to get married when you're 20, 
in order to just kiss your boyfriend, which I know is an extreme thing here, but are you really compatible? Like, do you really know you might not be great to be living together, but you wouldn't know that and you're already married. And so then you're, for some people, you might be sort of stuck, quote unquote, or you kind of just have this unhappy relationship. And I'm not saying you should never get married unless you've lived together, but it sure does make for a nice transition in the sense that you're not transitioning to being a married couple and moving and trying to live with this person and learn their habits and idiosyncrasies and things like that. What is your Dundee? My Dundee is poor casting choices. And here's why. So I said Chris Pine's dad plays Jim's dad. The woman that they cast as Jim's mom looks like it's Jim's sister. She looks younger than Jim's brother's look, in my opinion. And Jim's sister-in-laws look significantly younger than Jim's brothers as well. They just, they look more in their 20s. And it seems like Jim is the youngest child. I would say that also there's no way you could convince me that Anna Camp is Pam's sister. Okay, yes. I was also going to say that as well. And then I know it's supposed to be part of the joke, but... Pam's dad shows up with a new girlfriend, which really pisses off Pam's mom. Because if you remember, they got divorced last season. Yeah. She looks very, very young. She looks younger than Pam and Anna Camp, I would say. Again, probably supposed to be part of the the joke on that. But yeah, they didn't do a great job. And then this is the first time we're seeing Pam's mom since season two. And it's a different actress, if you'll remember. Yeah. So who's your employee of the month? I chose Andy because we start to see him make definite moves towards Aaron or at least make it known to the camera that he is interested in Aaron. And so it's really just the writer setting up this pursuit. So there's that. And he is the one organizing the hotel room party which we will see next episode that turns out to be pretty lively yes who is your employee of the month i chose dwight because he is just very confident pretty much always in who he is even in the face of scorn especially by michael and i feel like this is best exemplified by what he is wearing to go to the party he comes out and he, he looks similar to how Zach Galifianakis' character looks in The Hangover. So he's wearing a black t-shirt that has a wolf howling at the moon. And then I would say like olive green pants. And the t-shirt is tucked into the pants. And Michael just asks him like, what are you wearing? And Dwight is sort of flabbergasted at the dumb question and says it's just a casual social outfit very very confident and assured that that's exactly what he wants to wear to a party so that does it for this week's episode we will be back next week with part two of this episode i believe this would have aired 
together yes originally yes but because of the way they break down the episodes it's into two parts so next week is the actual wedding right so be sure to follow us on twitter at downsizing pod to get all the latest updates and keep listening to us on google podcasts apple podcasts spotify wherever you're listening to us be sure to rate subscribe like and comment wherever you can in order to keep getting our name out there we appreciate you guys listening and we will see you guys next time bye bye